Just glad that you're here. I don't. Uh, I told a guy yesterday. I'm in sales, not in management. I don't control the weather, and it could have been worse. What if the What if today had been two days ago? We'd really been in a mess. But uh, anyway, I want to say good morning to those who are watching uh, online, those who are at our other campuses, those who will be watching by TV. We're really glad and honored that you're here and that you're listening. As you know, uh, almost every single human being that's ever been born and lived on this planet has been given one. Every person that's alive today has one. As a matter of fact, it's the very first thing that we're given when we're born. We have to have it duly recorded before we can even leave the hospital. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm talking about a name. Now, have you ever thought about, just take a moment, have you ever thought about how important names are? What a big deal a name is. Some people would even say that the most important thing about any of us is our name. I mean, think about it. You need a name for a birth certificate. You need a name for a driver's license. In our country, you have to have a name for a social security card. You need a name for a credit card. You need a name for a passport. You need a name to buy a house. You need a name to get a job. We, we, we sometimes think these little things for granted, and yet a name is a big, big, big deal. Now, to be honest, even though a name is serious business, some people evidently don't think it's that big a deal. You say, well, why do you say that? Because of some names that parents give their children. And I, I, I'm going to share with you some actual names that people have given their kids. And I'm not making these up. By, in fact, I could put the actual pictures of the people up who have these names. But number one, I would never invade their privacy. And number two, if I had one of these names, I wouldn't want my picture up here. So I'm going to share with these. I'm not making, these are actual names that people have given their kids. You ready? Bud Light. McDonald Burger. Crispy Bacon. Sue Yu. By the way, she really is a lawyer. Sue Yu. Dill Pickle. I've, I've had some of those in our church. Filet Mignon, Jean Poole, Alba Tross, Cookie Cutter. Now, I mean, can you imagine? What is your name? Dill Pickle. What is your name? Filet Mignon. How do you like it? I, I like me. I mean, the name, people just don't realize how serious a name is. And regardless, re, re, no matter what your name is, the way names are used to address other people is very, very revealing. Because obviously, we can all be addressed in one of two ways, right? We can be addressed by our first name, or we can be addressed by our last name. When, when you have two people interact with each other, you can almost tell whether or not they, they really do know each other, have been, together, you know, been around each other for a long time, just by whether or not they're on a first name basis. In fact, the ultimate name drop, and we talk about dropping names, the ultimate name drop is when you know a famous celebrity so well that you can call them by their first name. For example, uh, I'm going to shock some of you today. I'm on a first name basis with some of the most famous people in the world, really. For example, 
I'm on a first name basis with Madonna. I'm on a first name basis with Bono. I'm on a first name basis with Cher. Now the dirty little secret is, so is everybody, right? I mean, I don't know what Madonna's name is. I don't know what Cher's other name is. I don't know what Bono's other name is. But most of the time, the truth be told, you're being very presumptive if you use someone, if you talk to them on a first name basis. Because unless you do that, unless you really know them or you have a very close relationship with them, you just don't do that. So it is a big deal when you either know someone well enough or you've got a kind of relationship with someone that's close enough that you can call them by their first name. And believe me, that first name basis can come in very, very handy. I was reading the other day about, about a robber and he was casing out a neighborhood and he saw this particular house and he thought all the lights were off and so he broke into the house only to discover that there was a man and his wife in bed watching TV. So he pulled out a gun and he pointed it at the wife and he said, what's your name? Well, shaking like a leaf, she said, uh, 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 my, my, my name is, is Elizabeth. Well, the, the robber kind of softened up and he said, well, Elizabeth, this is your lucky day. He said, I can't shoot you. My mother's first name was Elizabeth. Then he turned to the husband, pointed the gun at him, and he said, what's your name? Shaking like a leaf, he said, well, um, my name is Harry, but my, my buddies call me Elizabeth. Now, <laughs> first names are a big deal. First names are very, very important. I mean, there's just something special about being a, on a first name basis. And here's the wonderful news that we're going to learn, and Christmas teaches us this every year. We serve a God. Now listen to this. We serve a God who wants to be on a first name basis with us. And today we're beginning a series that we're calling First Name Basis. And where do I get this idea that this God that created us this God that spoke a world into existence. Where do we get the idea that this God wants us to be on a first name basis with him? Well, we get it from a prophet by the name of Isaiah. Isaiah wrote a book over 2,700 years ago, and he gave us some first names of the God that not only created us, but at Christmas came to us so that we could know him on a first name basis. Basis. And if you brought a copy of God's Word and you'd like to look on with us today, we're in Isaiah chapter 9. Now, if you don't, don't panic if you don't know where that is. It's in the Old Testament. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Bible's divided up into two parts. And the book of Isaiah, if you go to the book of Psalms, that's not a hard book to find. I mean, really, it's the largest book in the Bible. You go about three or four books past Psalms, you'll find Isaiah chapter 9. Let me tell you what's going on. This book was written about 700 years before Jesus Christ was ever born. And 700 years before Christ was born, this prophet explained Christmas before anyone had ever experienced Christmas. So 700 years before that star was shining and that cradle was rocking and the wise men were giving and the angels were singing, God revealed to Isaiah exactly who this baby was, what this baby was that was gonna be born in Bethlehem and what he was to be called. He gives him his first names. So it's really an incredible thing that Isaiah takes his prophetic pen, dips it into inspired ink, and writes what is becoming known or has become known as the centerpiece and the cornerstone of Christmas prophecy. Now, you may be sitting there, you may be saying, well, I'm, 
We know him as Jesus. Well, we do. But that was a common name back in the day. I mean, you may not realize this, but had you lived back in Nazareth, for example, where Jesus grew up, he wasn't the only little boy named Jesus. He wasn't the only little boy named Jesus who may have been born in Bethlehem. He certainly wasn't the only man running around, the only little boy running around named Jesus in Jerusalem. There are a lot of people named Jesus. But what we're going to learn in Isaiah is, is that in the other names that Isaiah gives him, these are the names that are his really first names. These are the names that tell us really what he was and who he was. However, before we get into all of these names, we've got to ask a question. If you're going to call someone mighty counselor or, or, or wonderful counselor or, or mighty God or eternal father or prince of peace, you better be answering another question and then ask, wait a minute. Why did he deserve to be called these names? Because let me, let me be honest. The greatest person who's ever lived outside of Jesus, whoever you may think that may be, Take the greatest person you think that's ever lived. It may be a biblical character. It could be Paul. It could be Peter. It could be Moses. It could be Abraham. Take the greatest character who's ever lived. None of them deserve to be called eternal father. None of them deserve to be called mighty God. None of them deserve to be called prince of peace. None of them deserve to be called wonderful counselor. So why in the world does he deserve these names? Because the wonder of Christmas. Now listen. The wonder of Christmas is just now how, not how this baby was conceived or even where this baby is born. The wonder of Christmas is who this baby was. Because contrary to what you hear sung at the mall and what you hear on the radio, the Christmas story is not about Santa Claus is coming to town. The Christmas story is about the creator God who came to earth as a man. This is where Christmas becomes not just a holy day for those of us who believe in Jesus, but this is where, I'm going to be honest, this is where Christmas becomes a real stumbling block to people who don't accept Christ or they do not accept Christmas because it's right here, what we're going to talk about today, it is right here where Jews and Muslims and Unitarians and Jehovah's Witnesses and practically every other world religion says, nope, I'm not buying into Christmas. I'll buy into Santa Claus. I'll buy into Rudolph. I'll buy into Frosty. I'm not buying into Jesus, and I'm not buying into Christmas. That's why I don't call it a holy day. It's just another holiday. And the reason why we don't do that and the reason why we cannot do that goes all the way back to what Isaiah said about this baby 700 years before he was even born. So in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, I want us to read this. We're going to be spending the next three weeks here. I want us to look at this, and I want you to listen now to the very first half of this verse. He says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Let me just stop right there. Just get this one in your mind. All right, so he is a child who is born. He is a son who is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Now, you could almost change the word and to the word therefore. Therefore, in light of the fact that he is the child that is born, in light of the fact he is the son that is given, and in light of the fact that the government will be on his shoulders, therefore, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince 
of peace. Now, in that first half of that verse, Isaiah tells us three things about that baby that tells us why he alone is worthy of all of these names, and he alone tells us why we can now relate to him on a first-name basis, and he's going to tell us why we can really have a personal, one-on-one, up-close, and personal relationship with the God that created everything. You ready? Here we go. Number one, we can relate to the humanity of Jesus. We can relate to the humanity of Jesus. Now, Isaiah begins by saying very simply, for to us, a child is born. Now, it doesn't take any brilliant man to figure out there are two key words here, right? The key word is child, and the other key word is born. So first of all, I tell, Isaiah is telling us 700 years before it happened, 700 years from now, there's going to be a child, and he's going to be just like us, just like at one time, everybody was a child, you know. As we get older, it's hard to believe. As you, you know, you look back uh, in, my, in my house, we have, a, we have four Christmas trees in my house. We love Christmas, and I love Christmas. And my wife, does, Teresa, does a fantastic job decorating our house. And, and, and so we've got four different Christmas trees. Each one are differently themed. Uh, I've got my, my favorite Christmas tree is my University of Georgia Christmas tree. You ought to come see it. All you Auburn people, you're, you're very welcome to come see it. But I got this Georgia tree in my house. And then we have another tree. It's, 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 this is kind of Teresa's tree. It's in our bedroom. And she likes blue and white, so it's kind of blue and white lights. And then we've got another tree, and, and it's kind of our, I call it kind of our, our special collection tree. We've got ornaments from all the different special places we've been around the world. Uh, I collect White House ornaments, so I've got White House ornaments. Uh, I've got ornaments people have given me from golf courses and uh, you know ornaments of different. Uh, uh, I've got all the government, famous government buildings, and uh, you know you know the Capitol and the Supreme Court and all that. So it's kind of a special tree. But then the tree that I love that's in my study that I get to look at all the time because I'm in my study most of the time is my family tree. And on this tree are all the ornaments that my boys made when they were small. And it's pictures of the boys that when they were small. And I have a picture in an ornament of me when I was just about three, about six months old. I was just a little bitty baby. And so I had my grandson in the other day, Connor. He, when Connor comes to our house, he wants to turn all the lights on. So I always pick him up and I always pick out different. So I, so I looked, I said, now, who is that? He said, well, he said that's, that's Uncle James. And I said, well, who is that? And he looked and he said, that's daddy. And I said, yeah. I said, who is that? He said, well, that's, that's John John, Jonathan, that's John John. And then I pointed and I had my picture. This really blessed me. I said, who is that? Now, this, my, my grandson's name's Connor. I said, who is that? He said, that's Connor. I said, no, that's Pop. Well, he looked at me like, no. Nah. Couldn't be Pop. You were never like that, right? Well, the truth of the matter is we were all at one time a child just like everybody was a child. And the point is he was a human being because there's one thing that he had that every person has to have in order to even get on planet Earth, right? You've got to have a mother. You've got to be the child of a mother. So when we get up at Christmas time and we, we love to say, Jesus was God. We're gonna talk about that later on. That's only half the story. The baby was God who became a human with skin and bones and flesh and blood and veins and arteries just like you and just like me. He was a child, and furthermore, it says, he was a child who was born. In other words, Jesus was not dropped from a heavenly helicopter. 
He wasn't beamed down a la Star Trek from heaven above. He was literally conceived in the womb of a mother and he was born just like you, just like me. And just like us, he had ethnicity. He was Jewish. He had relatives. He had brothers and sisters. He had feelings and he had needs. He got angry. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He got tired. He felt pain. He slept. He walked. He talked, and just like us, he died. He was a child that was born. So when Isaiah talks about this child that was born, even though he didn't realize it, he was looking down the corridor of time, 700 years, seven centuries ahead, he was looking to a cradle and a stable and a manger. And he was telling the world, hey, keep your ears open, keep your eyes open, be looking for and listening for the cry of a newborn baby. He's going to be completely human. Now, let me just say this. He was a child that was born. He was completely human, but here's what you understand. He never ceased to be God. He was no less God after he was born than he was before he was born, but he had become a human. He was not a semi-God. He was not a semi-man. He was fully God and fully man. He was given by a heavenly father, but he was born to an earthly mother. Now, let me just stop and call time out because I know if you're not a believer or you don't know much about Christmas or you've not given this a lot of thought, I know what you're saying right now. You're saying, wait a minute. I get it if he was fully man. I might could get it if he was fully God. I might even can kind of stretch and say maybe half God, half man. But you're telling me he was fully God and he was fully man. You're right. And you're sitting there going, man, that's, that's just a, that's a real mystery. You're absolutely right. It is a marvelous, magnificent, majestic mystery, but a mystery, listen, a mystery is not necessarily a myth. Just because it's a mystery doesn't mean it can't be true. We may not fully understand it, but we should believe it. And here's the point. This baby, God in the flesh, became just like us. He was a child that was born, just like you were a child that was born. I was a child that was born. Every person that's ever gotten to planet Earth was a child that was born he was a child that was born. Now, let me tell you why that's such a big deal. Let me tell you why I want you to understand we can relate to his humanity. Because whatever you're going through right now, he gets it. Whatever you're going through right now, he gets it. When you've lost, when you have absolutely lost everything that you spent your life working for, he gets it. When you're rejected for doing what is right, he gets it. When you are betrayed and sold down the river by people that you trusted, he gets it. When you're crushed by the death of someone that you love dearly, he gets it. So no matter what you're going through right now, let me tell you something about this Jesus. He knows exactly how you feel. I did a funeral uh, Friday of a lady who was on the pastor search committee that actually brought me to my former church. Known her for 32 years. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful lady. 
So I was doing the, doing the funeral, and, and, and I was talking to the, to the husband, who's a dear friend of mine, and to the three kids that were left behind. And I'm, I mean, I was their pastor when they were just kids. And I looked at those kids, and I said, you know, this is Friday. I said, I looked at those kids, and I said, you know, I want you to know, Derek and Emily and Robin, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly what you're going through. Because I said 19 years ago today, my dad died. 19 years ago, now I'm talking to you right now. 19 years ago today, I did my dad's funeral in that same pulpit on that same platform that I did this funeral on Friday. I said, I know exactly how you feel. But then I looked at John and I said, John, I don't know how you feel. And I, I, don't, I hope this doesn't come out wrong. I don't ever want to know how you feel. I don't know what it's like to, have, to, be, to live one day without Teresa. I, I, don't, I don't even want to think about living one day without Teresa. I don't know how you feel. Jesus, however, no matter what you're going through, Jesus can say, I know exactly how you feel. That's why I became just like you. So you would never go through anything. You would never experience anything that I could not relate to you and you could not relate to me. We can relate to the humanity of Jesus. And I'm not trying to get anybody stirred up. Let me ask, aren't you grateful for a Savior that's just like us? Just like us. So, unto us, a child is born. But Isaiah's not finished. Not only should we relate and can relate to the humanity of Jesus, we should rejoice in the divinity of Jesus. Because listen to what he goes on to say now. He says, unto us, a son is given. Now, let me just stop. You may be reading that. You might be saying, well, isn't that just kind of saying the same thing uh, just in a different way? Absolutely not. He's not repeating the same thought. He's actually telling us two things. You ready? A child is born. That tells us of the humanity of Jesus. A son is given. That tells us of the divinity of Jesus. As a child, he was born. But as a son, he was given. Now that raises a question. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Given by whom? Who gave this son? Well, what many would call the greatest verse in the Bible answers that question, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And by the way, I guarantee you that every time a Jew read that verse and he got to that one phrase right there, he gave his son his mind went all the way back to Isaiah 9, 6. Oh, that's right. Isaiah said that's what would happen. A son was given. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Because remember, there are always two sides to the Christmas coin. Heads, a human baby born in Bethlehem, just like us. That's heads. Tails, a divine son given who was not just like us. Now, this is very important to understand. Jesus had his birth in Bethlehem, but he did not have his beginning in Bethlehem. Now, when I had my birth, I had my beginning. But when Jesus had his birth in Bethlehem, he did not have his beginning in Bethlehem. He was God's son before he ever became Mary's baby. He's the only baby ever born that the moment he was born, he was as old as his father and older than his mother. He was as old as his father, yet he was older 
than his mother. See, there was never a time when Jesus was not. Got it? There was never a time when Jesus was not, and there was never a time when Jesus was not God. There was a time when I was not. Before December the 22nd, 1952, I was not. And there's never been a time that I am God. But there was never a time that Jesus was not, and there was never a time that Jesus was not God. So here's the other side of Christmas. He is a baby, a child that was born. He's just like us. But he was a son that was given. He's not just like us. He is eternally different from us. There was a time when I was not, and neither were you. Before we were, we were not. Before I was born, I never existed. However, Jesus has always existed. Before he was born, he existed. Obviously, after he was born, he existed. Furthermore, there will never be a time when I am God, but there's never been a time or ever will be a time when he is not God. He's like me, but he's not like me. And the only Christmas gift God has ever given to planet Earth was divinely human. Not just human, divinely human and humanly divine. He was a person of divinity wrapped up in a package of humanity. In other words, this is the only time in history, talking about Christmas, this is the only time in history where the gift was the giver and the giver was the gift. Only time. God gave himself in the person of his son. So in those two simple truths, a child is born and a son is given. You've got Jesus in his humanity, a child. You've got Jesus in his divinity, a son. So at the same time, he was both the son of an earthly mother and the son of a heavenly father. He was an eternal being who had an earthly beginning. As a child, he was born to live with us in his humanity. But as a son, he was given to us to die for us in his divinity. See, that's what makes Jesus so awesome and that's what makes Jesus so unique. That's why I'm a follower of Jesus That's why I'm a Christian, and that's why I don't follow anything else or follow anyone else or believe anything else. It is because there's never, ever been anyone like him and never will be. See, we can relate to him in his humanity. He's a child. He's just like us. But we can also rejoice in his deity because he was not just like us, and thank God he was not. Here's why. If Jesus had been just a man, He could have never been my Savior. He could have never been your Savior. If Jesus had been just a man, I don't know what we'd be doing in December. We would not be celebrating Christmas if he had just been a man. Because he'd just been a man, he could have died for my sins. If he'd been just a man, he would have never come back from the grave. And if he hadn't died for my sins and come back from the grave, you and I would still be helpless in this life to be what God wants us to be and hopeless after this life to go where God wants us to go. So here's the real truth about Christmas. 
He left heaven as God and came to earth as a human so we humans could leave earth and spend eternity with God in heaven. We'll say that again. He left heaven as God and came to earth as a human so we humans could leave earth and spend eternity with God in heaven. So I want you to get this. There was a time when Jesus was not a man. There's never been a time when Jesus was not God. And there will never be a time when Jesus is not the God man. Hey, guess what? When you get to heaven and you see Jesus, you know what he's gonna be? Fully God, fully man. Fully God, fully man. That's why we should rejoice in the divinity of Jesus. So this is what's so wonderful about this man named Jesus. Number one, I can relate to you in your humanity. You're just like me. But I can also thank God rejoice in the fact that you're not just like me. You're, it's not just your humanity that I love. It is your divinity that I love. But now watch this. It's the reason why Isaiah doesn't finish. I can stop right there. And that's, I mean, that, that, that's a pretty good Christmas story right there. But it doesn't stop. Because Isaiah says, listen, not only can we relate to his humanity, and not only should we rejoice in his divinity, Isaiah says, we must respond to his authority. We must respond to the authority of Jesus. Now look what Isaiah adds. He adds this. He says, and the government will be on his shoulders. Now, why does Isaiah say that? Because you don't have the full picture of Jesus till you understand he's not only the child that was born like us, he was not only the son that was given to us, he is also the king that rules over us. Isaiah said the government will be on his shoulders. In other words, his government is unlike any other government that ever has been or ever will be. Let me give you an example. The government of the United States is not on the shoulders of Donald Trump. The government of Great Britain is not on the shoulders of Queen Elizabeth. But this government is on his shoulders. Well, what does that mean? Well, first of all, you ready for this? Jesus, now listen, this is so, I, this is so good. I'm so proud of myself. And I say that with all false humility. Just joking. Jesus not only has the government or has a government, he is the government. So what do you mean? What's this? Let's do a little civics lesson. How many branches of government do we have? Okay, what are they? Judicial, legislative, executive. Got it? So we have three branches of government, right? By the way, that comes right out of the Bible too. I can show you that later. But we've got three branches of government, right? We've got the legislative, we've got the judicial, and we've got the executive. Everybody got that, okay? Well, Jesus doesn't need a legislative branch. Well, why not? He's the lawgiver. Jesus doesn't need a judicial branch. 
He's the judge. Jesus doesn't need the executive branch. He's the king. He doesn't need a government. He is the government. He's the judge. He's the lawgiver. He is the king. Do you know what that means? You ready for this? All you, anybody out there not a believer, anybody out there you're kind of hostile toward Jesus, got to break some news for you, okay? I'm just going to be honest. We didn't vote him into office, and we can't vote him out of office. He's the judge whether you like it or not. He is the king whether you believe it or not. He is the lawgiver whether you accept it or not. And I love to say this all the time. He's coming back, and he's not coming back to take sides. He's coming back to take over. I, I love the way Tony Evans puts it. He says when he comes back, he won't be riding the back of a Republican elephant or a Democratic donkey. His government, his authority, his rule will be over everybody. There will only be one party. It is the Jesus party. And guess what? Everybody will be a member of his party. And there's never gonna be a need to have a ballot because his name would be the only one you can vote for anyway. So a prophet named Zechariah put it this way many years ago. He said, the Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be one Lord and his name, the only name. So Isaiah says, he's not just a child that was born to live with us. And he's not just God who came to die for us. He is the king who has come to rule over us. And then Isaiah goes on to say this in verse seven. He says of the great, this is how great his government is, of the greatness of his government and peace. There'll be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Don't you let that sink in. Let that sink in. There will be no end to his government. Didn't vote him in, can't vote him out. There will be no revolution against his government. There will be no rebellion against his government. There will be no rejection against his government. There's going to come a day and there's going to come a time. Are you ready for this? It will be one universe under God with liberty and justice for all. One. One day, that little child who left heaven and came to earth, he's gonna come back from heaven to earth one last time. Now, the first time, he came to a cradle. The next time, he's coming with a crown. The first time, he was laid in a manger. The next time, he'll sit on a throne. And when he does, that's when every star in every constellation, in every galaxy, and every angel that has their wings, and every person who has ever received the Christ of Christmas, that's when everybody's going to sing the hallelujah chorus like it's never been sung before. Because the greatest gift ever given to this world was that little baby who was the child that was born and the son that was given. Now, Here's what we all have to decide. If you're an unbeliever, you've got to decide something. And if you're a believer, you've got to decide something. And what you've got to decide is, was this Jesus that we read about in history books, 
Was this Jesus that by common consensus was one of, at least, in my opinion, the, but one of the greatest men who ever lived, one of the greatest teachers who ever lived, one of the greatest examples who ever lived, was this Jesus who Isaiah prophesied that he was? Now, either was he wasn't. Either he was divinely human, either he was fully human and fully God, or he wasn't. Now, if you decide, you know what? Nope, I believe he was. I'm buying lock, stock, and barrel. I'm putting all my, my, my money on Jesus. Then the second question you have to answer is, okay, so what are you going to do with Jesus? Jesus decided he would come for you. The question now is, will you decide to come to him? Many of you have heard of um, one of my favorite musicians, Billy Joel. How many of you have heard of Billy Joel? Okay, I, I like him. I like Billy Joel. He's one of my favorite musicians. It's a great story. His daughter, on her 12th birthday, she was in New York City. But he was in Los Angeles, and he was recording an album. So on the morning of her 12th birthday, he called her, and he apologized that he couldn't be with her on her birthday. And he said, but look, he said, I know it's a special birthday. It's your 12th birthday. And he said, now, before the day is over, be looking for the delivery of a large package. He said, now, honey, it's going to be so big and so heavy and so large that you're not going to be able to get it. So I'm going to have it brought to you and delivered to your apartment. He said, well, Daddy, well, Daddy what time will it get? He says, I don't know. Be, be, be there before you go to bed tonight. I don't know how long it's going to take. I've got it special delivered for you. He says, okay. So after dinner, the doorbell rang, and there were some men and they said, you're so-and-so? Uh, she said, yes. And she said, well, we have a present for you from your dad. And they brought in this seven-foot-tall, brightly wrapped box. And, and they smiled, and they wished her a happy birthday, and they left. Well, she was so excited. So she tore that box open. She couldn't wait. What in the world has dad sent me? And when she tore the box open, and there was a little hinge on the door of the box, and when she opened the door, outstepped her dad. Outstepped Billy Joel fresh off a plane from the West Coast. To this day, she said in this magazine article, she said to this day, that's the greatest birthday present my dad ever gave me. I read that story, I thought to myself, I know exactly how she feels because I'll never forget the day as a nine-year-old boy I unwrapped this gift and outstepped Jesus. Fully God, fully man, divinely human. And the day he stepped out of that box and the day he stepped into my heart, he eternally, permanently, radically changed my life. And he can do that for you as well. Let's pray together.